Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The Ontario government released its uh, first mini-budget, uh, their economic statement, yesterday. And, uh, well, they said they had to do some cutting uh, because of the financial situation. And uh, cuts they did, although, interestingly enough, there seems to be an almost mixed bag of reaction to this now. Some people say they didn't go far enough. Others very concerned about where some of those cuts were. Joining us to talk about this is Vic Fidelli, who is the finance minister for the Ontario government, who delivered uh, the economic statement yesterday. Vic, thanks so much for the time. It's good to have you with us again. Thank you, Bill. It's great to be here. Let's talk a little bit about where you were targeting yesterday, Vic. Uh, we talked about, the, the, I think everybody understands that the financial situation that we're in here in the province of Ontario. But uh, some of the greatest concern we've heard, and I know you have over the last 24 hours or so, has been about uh, scrapping the Office of the Ontario Child Advocate and Environmental Commissioners. Uh, explain to us exactly what the rationale is there. Well, it's not really scrapped. It's be, uh, all of the investigative activities will be consolidated. They're being consolidated under the Auditor General and the Provincial Ombudsman. These, you know, we're going to be strengthening those offices. We're going to be expanding them, giving them more powers, a stronger mandate, and actually taking the politics out of it by taking it away from cabinet and the government out of the decision making around the appointment of those offices and, and putting it instead now right into the legislature. So. You know, we look at it, uh, you can, there's still going to be audits, there's still going to be complaints filed, still going to be answers given, um, and no accountability is being removed. So it's, uh, I, you know, it's more in the way of how, how people are wording it than, uh, than anything. Well, that's what I was saying when you start looking at that, some of the coverage uh, from the, the speech yesterday, of course. Uh, it's in the eye of the beholder, obviously, but the concern here is obviously the Child's Advocate Office is a, is a proactive uh, situation. The ombudsman basically works off uh, of complaints. In other words, they're reactive to this. How do you rationalize that, and how do you juxtapose these two? Yeah, well, there's not a single oversight uh, provision that's going to be lost with these changes. In fact, they're going to be strengthened. Most people know who the Auditor General, uh, know to go to an Auditor General, or know to go to an Ombudsman. Um, and so, you know, the, 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 those transfer of roles uh, is really what it's all about, but there's, there's no oversight lost whatsoever. Tax cuts, let's talk about those. Uh, you promised us that there were going to be tax cuts. You said there were going to be tax cuts for low-income earners, and you've delivered on that. Uh, but when you do the math on this, it doesn't work out to as much of a saving as, uh, as they would have had, actually, if you had gone ahead with the minimum wage increase that was scheduled for this year. Yeah, what we saw was, uh, especially when all three parties did roundtables right across the province before the first 22% increase in minimum wage, we were told by businesses that people are going to lose their jobs, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, and now we know that if we go from 14 to 15, more tens of thousands, more people will lose their jobs. And so this way, we're making sure that we're making Ontario open for business, uh, looking for ways to create higher-paying jobs for them. And in the meantime, we're providing tax relief for low-income and minimum-wage earners. This is the most one of the most generous Ontario tax cuts for low-income workers in an entire generation. Uh, this is going to benefit 1.1 million people across the province. I've heard the same stories, though, Vic, and we had the chambers on of, of Ontario, Hamilton Chamber, everybody else during the discussion uh, before that legislation was passed by the previous government. But then I, I, I'm looking at the reports that I've seen over the last couple of months that said there was actually a bump in, in employment here and that people were actually hiring. I don't, I don't see the stories about people losing their jobs. Well, go to StatsCan. That's where you'll get your actual facts. And we see that in the 10 months since the minimum wage went up, permanently lost 31 
thousand part-time jobs in the province of Ontario. That's from StatsCan. That's where you are. I mean, the other material, every month we change. We, we, we gain some, we lose some. You know, January we lost 50,000. This summer we lost 81,000 jobs in one month. They come and they go. Our population is also increasing, so you would expect that we're going to have a greater net number, but 31,000 part-time jobs were lost in 10 months due to this. With the uh, province in the financial straits they are right now, some people are questioning why you also included a tax uh, uh, break for the highest uh, income bracket as well. Yeah, look, when you uh, when you uh, um, give this kind of a tax uh, uh, surcharge, we want to see that uh, during the election campaign, we were very clear that we're not going to implement the former government government's tax increases. So uh, this is for the low-income earners all across the board, uh, the tax increases that were scheduled on January 1 are not going to happen. People need relief, uh, and that's why we're targeting especially 1.1 million uh, of the uh, low-income and minimum wage workers. When we look at numbers like this, Vic, and, and I know that obviously there's going to be arguments from the opposition parties on this, but uh, it comes down to bookkeeping. And I know that uh, that the Auditor General had a real problem with the previous government with the way they were uh well, I guess actually which column they were going to put in uh, the, the pension assets. Uh, you've decided to go with the Auditor General's uh, suggestion that those are not included as government assets. Uh, but the, it was interesting, though, the way that report was written, because it said for the time being. In other words, there might be a change in there. Are you still with this? On, are there discussions ongoing right now with the Auditor General about that? Well, there haven't been any, but what it said was, uh, uh, what we said was we accept the Commission's report and we accept the Auditor General. Uh, look, the, uh, she told us uh, before the last election, she, the Auditor General said the government's books, and this is her word, government's books are bogus. Uh, you, you know, to be able to take over a $150 billion corporation and know that your books were bogus, that is a very serious uh, issue and a very daunting task to be able to work to correct that. And that's our job now. And so in the first uh, few months that we've been in office, we've uh, saved $3.2 billion in efficiencies, and we've returned $2.7 billion back to the pockets of the people in Ontario. That's what we were elected to do. That's what we said we are going to do, and that's what we're doing. And on top of it all, we still managed to reduce the deficit from $15 billion from the Liberals down to $14.5 billion. And now, of course, uh, Monday morning, we start working on Budget 2019. Well, let's talk about that. Are there any uh, sacred cows, any untouchables as you as you go through the books for looking for that, that budget that's going to be coming in the spring? You know, I've said many times, it's not just a financial issue. It's a moral obligation. We've got to uh, bring balance to the deficit. Um, this is a st- what we call a structural deficit. That That's a real amount of money that's we, that we spend more than we take in every year. This is built in now for the next years. This isn't, uh, uh, you know, this isn't uh, for some uh, planned uh, um, uh, bonuses that the liberals were talking about. Th- those those are uh, the future programs. We're, in, we're we're deep in the future. That's six point seven billion dollars. The liberals said was the deficit. That's for real. That's for doctors, uh, teachers. This is everyday bills that we're paying with that money. So th- this is a real, a real deficit that we've got to challenge, and and there will be there will be uh, you know uh, equally shared pain or amongst the people of Ontario, the 
the, the, as Premier Ford said, that the, the party with the taxpayers' money is over. We've got to we've got to start uh, uh, focusing, and everything we do is for the people. Ontario Finance Minister Vic Fidelli, a busy day for you, Vic. I really appreciate you taking some time for us today. Thanks so much. All good, Bill. Take care now. Uh, that's uh, the uh, that's uh, the line, obviously, from the government and their rationalization for what they announced yesterday. There's uh, still a great deal of consternation in some circles, and we're going to hear from some of those people uh, over the next part of uh, the program here, including uh, uh, Sandy Shaw, who is the finance critic for the uh, Ontario NDP party, of course, the uh, party of opposition at Queen's Park. Sandy, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, Bill. How are you? Good. Well, you've had time to digest some of the things that Mr. Fidelli talked about. Uh, give me your uh, read on what you saw and what you heard yesterday. Well, I, I want to pick up where uh, the minister keeps talking about, you know, a moral imperative. And you know that I actually think that if you look at a budget, or is, this is a pre-budget as a theological document, you see what a government values, and more importantly, you see what they don't value. And what we see in, in this uh, economic statement is that this government doesn't seem to value, uh, you know, the most marginalized people in our communities, given the way that they've taken... $3.2 billion of cuts. I mean, the ministry keeps calling them efficiencies. This is $3.2 billion of cuts. They're not efficiencies. Well, again, he's getting into the terminology of it. And uh, the, 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 when you start looking at some of these numbers, and we've talked about this in the past, uh, a lot of the deficit numbers that he's talking about and some of the savings numbers have really just uh, their decision not to enact a, a number of the programs that the, the previous government had promised to do. So, I mean, there was never really any money spent there. Well, well, in fact, that's not the case. I mean, if you look at the budget, they're using the commissioner's uh, baseline, given the, the way that they're presenting the fall economic statement. And given that, there's a million dollars in cuts uh, from the children, youth, and social services. And that is real money that is being cut from the most marginalized people in our, in our communities, especially if you think about Hamilton and our struggle with, with child poverty, essentially. I mean, that is a signal to us that this government is looking at uh, balancing the budget or bringing us back to balance. But how are they doing it? I mean, they're doing it in the areas uh, where, uh, in my opinion and the opinion of my party, is the wrong way to do it. I mean, you can't continue to ask people to tighten their belts as Doug Ford has, when they've already tightened their belts uh, so uh, so stringently. I mean, people are struggling, and this uh, this pre this economic statement doesn't signal any relief for the people in our communities that need it the most. They're also talking yesterday. Uh Mr. Fidelli was anyway, about business tax competitiveness, uh, which has always been a sore point. I understand what's going on in the states and, and the Donald Trump tax cuts, etc. But the reality here is that Ontario already has some of the lowest business taxes in the province, lowering them even further. Uh, I'm not so sure is going to actually give us much of a competitive advantage, but it is going to reduce uh, the, the revenue that's coming into the government, obviously. Uh, absolutely. And I think if you look at, if you really take a look at uh, this uh, economic statement, what is it Tom Waits said? You know, the, the, big, the, the big print giveth and the small print taketh away. So you can look at their top lines. But if you drill down into it, what you're seeing is a government that's actually spending in areas that they care about and taking money away from the things that uh, other people care about. And so absolutely, when it comes to their ideology, I guess, which is the trickle-down theory, that if, you know, if you uh, reduce taxes on large corporations, if you exempt them, for example, uh, from the cap and trade, so now they're exempt from contributing to the climate change. If you look at that, you're seeing that this is a government that's actually spending money on things that they care about and not on the things that other people care about. 
And, you know, sorry to get specifically to the, your question about, you know, our tax competitiveness. You're absolutely right. I mean, if you look at, uh, we have one of the lowest combined corporate tax rates and small business tax rates in, in the country. And it's in line, even given the Trump's uh, recent tax uh, cuts, it's in line with our biggest competitors, which would be, you know, Michigan and New York, for example. So this theory uh, is really shown to not be uh, the, the, the most effective way to help the lowest income people in our community or hardworking, you know, average uh, Ontarians. Mr. Fidelli said, I know you were listening just a couple of minutes ago, Sandy, he suggested that uh, that everybody's going to have to share in the pain here. And, and he talked about the tax breaks for low-income earners. Uh, and at the same time, I, I asked him, obviously, why not you know, reinstate the, the minimum wage increase that was coming or the, the fair wage policy? And, and, of course, the government's decided to turn their back on both of those policies. But while they're doing that to low-income earners, there's also uh, in this budget a tax break for the highest tax bracket. It amounts to about $275 million a year. Uh, if we're in financial straits, can we really afford to do that to people that really probably don't even need that help? Well, it, it, that's, the, that's the billion dollar question, let's say. That's exactly the point. And if you actually look at the numbers, they're spending, uh, they're, they're, they're spending or you know, skewing revenue for the highest income earners in this province twice as much as they're giving for this low income tax break. So the low income tax break, you know, will, will um, theoretically is going to benefit low income people, but so many of those people earn so little that they already don't pay tax. So this, in fact, is not uh, a gift at all to low-income um, earners in the province. And as you said, had they uh, continued to enact the, 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 some of the provisions that the Liberals had put in place, including the, uh, the promised increase in the minimum wage, there's rock-solid evidence that shows that low-income earners would be way better off with that dollar increase in minimum wage than they are with this, uh, this tax cut they're talking about. But in fact, this tax cut... Um, is, is, you know, they're spending twice as much as they are on the highest income earners to provide them a tax break. I asked him about the Ontario Child Advocate Office, uh, which uh, he says they're not scrapping. He says it's just simply being rolled into the Ombudsman's Office, uh, which I, I still think is somewhat contrary uh, to the role of the of the Ombudsman, or, and, and for the Child Advocate, for that matter. Uh, because, as we say, the Child Advocate is an analyst who will look at government policies and, and do their studying on their own. The Ombudsman works basically on a complaint basis. So, in other words, by the time they would be looking after something that could be harmful to children, vis-a-vis -vis policy or anything else, the damage has already been done. What's your comfort level with, with their explanation for what they're doing? I'm not comfortable with it at all. In fact, I'm incensed by this. I mean, you know, I'm a new MPP, and I'm just learning, and I sit in the House, and I would just tell you that what I see is a government that talks a good game about transparency and accountability, but what they, if you look at their actions, it doesn't speak to that at all. And when you are muting or when you are trying to get rid of really important watchdogs, these are the these are the offices, the independent offices that hold the government to account. You're not really, really committed to transparency and accountability. And and as I said earlier, you know, if we're talking about a uh, moral imperative, what could be more more um, what could be more important to us than to ensure that the most vulnerable people in our community, which are children in care, which is our you know our indigenous youth, people that are young people that have no other place to go. What could be more important than ensuring that they continue to have access to an, uh, to, uh, to an outlet that is being denied them by this government? 
Sandy Shaw, finance critic uh, for the Ontario NDP, responding to the economic statement from yesterday. Sandy, thanks so much for the time today. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Bill. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.